Welcome to the Global Decolonization Initiative's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Rodriguez, and I'm here with my mom, who is a civil rights activist, actively dismantling the systems of oppression for about 30 years now. Hi. Hi, Mom. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Today we will be discussing a few topics. First, we have the Global Uprising Report. Then Mom will be bringing in the reality of the American hate map numbers. And then we'll be talking about the KKK and finish up with the GDI Cocotazo of the Week and the GDI Shoutout of the Week. So stay tuned because it's about to get real. Global Uprising Report. In today's Global Uprising Report, we have nine documented uprisings. Chile, which began uprising on the 14th of October 2019, an ongoing uprising for 56 days. Lebanon has been uprising for two months and seven days. Iran has been uprising since the 15th of November 2019 to present. Iraq has been uprising for two months, two weeks, and nine days. Haiti started uprising the 7th of July 2018. It's an ongoing uprising for 532 days. Bolivia began uprising on the 21st of October 2019 as continued to uprise to present day. Hong Kong began uprising on the 15th of March 2019, 285 days total, with the last nearly 200 days in a full-on large-scale breakout. France's Yellow Vest movement has been uprising since the 17th of November 2018 to present, one year one month, and six days. India just began uprising December 15, 2019. Those are the countries that have been documented in their uprisings. We encourage you to Google those uprisings and to find out as much as you can about them. It's a lot of people unhappy with their governments and the way things are going. Mm. Right? like the whole world is on fire or waking up waking up yes indeed you know indeed the new generation is just not afraid to speak their minds right complacency is no longer a part of the narrative right so let's talk a little bit about hate groups Uh, The hate group map. There's an organization many of you are probably familiar with. It's the Southern Poverty Law Center. Been around for quite a while. They do a lot of good work. One of the projects that they work on is the National Hate Group Map. And this is an interactive map. You can go online into their website. You could see what it looks like across the country, but you can also click on a state. And when you click on the state, the state map will come up and it'll let you know or it'll it'll show you 
what the groups are, what their names are, where they're located in the state, so you can uh, take a look at that and 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 kind of see what your state looks like. Uh, one of the one of the things that's really kind of uh, interesting and troubling at the same time is that there are about a thousand twenty, according to the map, hate groups across the United States. And this has been a big jump. In 2017, there were 954 hate groups in the, you know, in the U.S. And it's not going down; it's going up. And these are um, hate groups that are documented and verified by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, and if it's one thing that, in the time of this growth, and and I think that you could see the spiking in how it has been increasing year to year to year, going back to about 2007 till today, uh, which is, I think 2007, it was 898, and now mm. we're looking at 1,020. That's about a 200-group increase plus from that period of time. The one common denominator that you can, you know, kind of take away from that is that what's, is that within that time, we've had two presidents, two presidents that represent very different uh, philosophies and viewpoints about uh, about America. You know, one of them was President Obama and the other one is Trump. And it's, uh, it, is a it is a tale of what's going on today. You know, there's a lot of uh, incivility. There's a lot of, a uh, lot less... Uh, people willing to hear, you know, different perspectives and be okay with that. Um, and so it it's really is a telling sign of our country when the number of hate groups jumps by over 200 groups across America. Now, there's four states that have the distinction, and it's not an honorary distinction. I would say it's a distinction of shame that has the most hate groups over all states, and they are North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia. Now, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but I'll tell right. you which was a surprise, and that's California. Mm. It could be, I don't know, maybe because it's so big, but still, all in all, it has almost double what any other state has. So that is uh, uh, not a distinction to be proud of. Um and so there you go. That is the National Hate Map. You can view it on the website for the National Poverty Law Center uh, at your leisure and just check out what your state looks like and see w what groups are being are surrounding your city. <clears throat> Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. Uh, there's a thing that that I heard a word incivility. And a lot of activists are pushing back on the word civility. It almost seems like civility is a way to continue to silence Black, Indigenous, people of color, or BIPOC, by <clears throat> creating another form of tone policing and saying, uh, if you don't say this to me uh, in a different way so that I can understand it, 
then maybe I would understand what you're saying. Or another way to say, well, you know, you're aggressive in, in your delivery of what you're trying to say, so I'm not trying to understand you or I can't understand what you're saying. You need to tell me you tell you need to tell me this in a nice way so I can understand you. So it, a lot of activists are pushing back on the idea of civility. Would you would you think that civility would work more for white people to BIPOC than for BIPOC to white people or is it just across the board? Is it everybody? You know, it's an interesting concept, and uh, and it's so multi-layered, right? So, for too long, people of color have been labeled as being uncivil, when really what they were was being passionate about their perspective. Mm. And so, when you're looking at a culture whose communication style is very low contact, and you are communicating with a culture that is of high contact communication. And you're going to get that, and and that's one of the one of the disconnects in communication. Now, society as a whole has set up these cultural norms, right? What is it to be civil with each other in communicating? Because if you don't have a cultural norm that everybody kind of agrees with, um, then it, communication gets very difficult, right? Mm-hmm. I get it that activists need to need to have their voices heard, mm-hmm. and if you need to, and if you're gonna have your voice heard, uh, I mean, I mean, think about government. Government reacts to the loudest voice, not the number of people. Hmm. You can have a thousand people all wanting the same thing, and they're not being listened to. But you have five people who have a strong presence, strong voices, are in their faces, and they're gonna hear them. Hmm. Right. So in activism, I get that there is space for that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also space for just treating each other as human beings. Right. So Mm. I'm I'm not talking about in a debate over a subject. I'm not talking about the political, you know, piece of it where, you know, an activist needs to be heard when other voices are refusing to hear them. When I talk about civility, I'm talking about civility from just people to people, people in the store, people in a restaurant, just being nice to each other. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. And we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. What did you mean by low contact, high contact cultures? Uh, European cultures, uh, including some uh, uh Asian cultures, Japan's a good example, where uh, communication is is very low-contact communication, which means, um, and I guess the best example I could give is if in a school, right, let's say a a group of young children, and the teacher would ask a question, the low-contact communication children would raise their hands and wait to be called on. A high-contact communication child might be raising his hand, might be raising both hands, maybe jumping out of their chair. <laughs> pick me, pick me, pick me, mm. right? Um, and 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 where this can get uh, a little dicey, as a matter of fact, this is uh, uh, something that actually happened. There was a study commissioned by um, uh, a university in Chicago, 
And the study was to determine why there was such a high rate of African, um, African-American men dropout rates, hmm. right? In other words, why are young African-American men dropping out at rates by far higher than any other category? Hmm. And that's what the study was for. But during the study, what they found was that, be, and, and at the time, there was no diversity in the universities. It wasn't mm-hmm. being taught. And so at the, uh, what they found was that the majority of the teachers were young white women who had very little diversity in their life mm-hmm. and wow. saw the world from a low-contact communication. Wow. And so they would enter the classroom, and the minute the high-contact communication children, right, African-Americans, Latino, Italians, right? The minute the high-contact communication children would begin to act and communicate that way, they were labeled as problems. Wow. And because the teacher would not call on them, the Mm. teacher would call on the low-contact communication children who were just raising their hands and waiting, Mm -hmm. right? The message that the children of color were receiving was, I'm not going to call on you. There's a problem with you. And they started to shut down at an early age. And this, I think, is in the second grade. And so by the time they progressed through the the school system, uh, during the study, they talked about one particular child where they were having problems in math. And they called in the mother of one of the children to say, hey, come on in and let's talk about your child. And the teacher says, you know, uh, Jose's having a really hard time in school and he, you know, can't sit still in his chair and he's disruptive. Um, and the mother starts screaming at the teacher. Interesting. Right. So then the teacher, the young white woman teacher, in her mind says, now I see where the problem is and continues to label that child, cements the fact that that child is a problem. Wow. And so because of that study, universities made it mandatory that any uh, degree for teachers in education must have a diversity class. Wow. That would be important for teachers to have. And at that time, they did not. They were just young white women who were married, had kids, take the summer off with the kids. Um, And that was a predominant uh, group that were teaching children. Wow. The education system in America is lacking it's got a long cultural, way to go. Yeah. Cultural sensitivity for sure. Which brings us to our topic. This is a, a something that really happened. It's a, a something that's personal. It's a it's a real lived experience with the KKK. And um uh, mom? So yeah, um a little while ago, uh not that long ago, um, my neighborhood was um, targeted by the KKK uh, in Mississippi, southern Mississippi. And what they did was they put these little brochures in 
plastic bags and they put little rocks in them so they wouldn't blow away, I guess. And they threw them in everybody's driveway up and down my block. And um, so it was uh, startling because I think one of the things is when you think about at least when you you think about the KKK, it's it's that organization, right? But when it comes, it hits that close to home, it becomes all the more real, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the experience I had with that. When I opened the bag, I was kind of shocked, going, "What is this?" Um, and and it was disturbing, sure. I imagine. Going and, and saying, you know, what's this? And then picking it up and going, oh, shit. <laughs> I think the first thing I would do would look around, would be look around, you know? <laughs> you know, and then call the cops. Like, what's uh-huh. going on? But nowadays, we're finding out that a lot of the police force are KKK. So, but this happened a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mom saved the bag because... She wanted me to see it. I haven't seen it, even though I've been to her house, and uh, it hasn't come out until recently. And uh, so we're going to open it up together here with you so you can experience the shock of when a a bag like this is open. It's a clear plastic bag with the rock about the size uh, uh, that can fit into the palm of the hand. Inside the plastic bag is a white, looks like a little pamphlet, like a three-fold pamphlet. The pamphlet is white paper. The text is in black. Uh, It's tied with a wire tie that you would see on a bread Bread bag. Bread bag or something like that. A produce bag. The wire ties, the old school (laughs) wire ties. And so we have the bag and so shocked that this it's just so not okay. Oh my God, I'm holding a KKK pamphlet in my hand. Ah! Oh gosh, the feeling in my stomach that I get, I'm getting right now is it's undescribable. It's like a pit immediately formed when I my hands touched this paper. Um, on one side of it, it says uh, has like two eagles and U-D-W-K for the United Dixie White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan realm of Mississippi. They're committed to preserving our values and heritage by throwing plastic bags at people of color's doors. Um, This pamphlet is really I mean it just holding it it's it's tough it's difficult to even 
try to read it or look at it. I, I read it and it's like the the content of this it's is propaganda. It's KKK propaganda. I mean, it says that we're sending out invisible clansmen to infiltrate these outside corporations. And they want to talking about a change of the flag. They don't want to change the stars and bars or something. Talk about the N NAACP. Your attempts to intimidate us will fail, much like the NAACPs did in 2001. The NAACP got their butts drugged through the mud in its failed attempt to change our state flag. I mean, when I hear people of the South say, get over it, to black people, get over it, racism. I say the same thing to them. Get over it. You lost the war. Move on. How does that even work? How does that level of mentality work? What's behind that? It, the, the hypocrisy of get over it when this stuff is still happening. I mean, do they see it? Or do they just don't care? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, almost a sense of preservation, right? I think, I think that they come from a place of lose, right? They they feel that for every gain uh, minorities make in this country, it's a loss for them, right? So they have this all or nothing mentality that that just afflicts them. I think also they've seen their numbers, right, drop. Mm. I think it's a it's it's a, a sign of poverty in this country, right? As well, there's parts of North Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama that have very high uh, poverty rates Amazing. among whites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something to hold on to, you know. I mean, I, I think it's awful. You know, preaching hate is terrible. I think what pissed me off recently was that I was listening to a uh, show, and I hear the 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 person who was hosting the show is African American, mm. mixed race African American. Mm -hmm. And he asked him, or he said to him, so you consider yourself a white supremacist? To who? To the, to the KKK member, mm -hmm. right? And the KKK member said to him, I don't like that word. I don't use that word. I consider myself a civil rights, pers a civil rights person for white people. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So that's the angle now. That's the new angle. Wow. I can't even hold this thing anymore. <laughs> it's like how to put it away. It's yeah. just too painful. Yeah. It's just too painful. But that pain is real. I mean, it is a well, real... They're, they're out there. That hatred of anybody who's not white. Wow. And their hatreds of African Americans are only matched by their hatreds of Jewish people. 
Mm. Wow. So the KKK is alive. It's out there. It has a lot of members. You can go out and look at the map and see where they are near you uh, so that you can at least, you know, un understand your community a little bit better. But one of the statements in there that's probably pretty true is this invisible KKK because they are everywhere. They're in the churches. They're in the office. Right. You can be sitting right next to a Klansman or woman mm -hmm. and not even know. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what happened with Charlottesville when they were... Dehooded. Well, they were not invisible anymore. Yeah. Right, and they were not invisible, and so yeah. they people went after them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think no, no longer can we say that in in 2019 that the KKK is inactive. No, I mean it is full blown mm -hmm. and organized. And we have to be vigilant to ensure that our that civil rights continues to move forward. How are ways that we can bring awareness to that? What do you mean? By saying we must stay vigilant, what are ways that we can be vigilant in our communities? Staying involved in the community, you know, volunteering. You know, sometimes we think that we can't that we can't do enough to make a difference. Mm. Right. But I, I'm a, always a believer that we can always influence our, our sphere of influence, what's around you. Mm. And if we all did that, then we would all be contributing in a positive way and collectively would make a huge difference. Right. And a sphere of influence is, mm -hmm. could be your group of friends. Could be your group of friends, could be your family, could be coworkers. Yeah. Wow. So many topics from that alone. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Wow. Thank you for experiencing that and, and enduring and doing the work to keep going and not let it discourage you and um, bring awareness to the importance of vigilance in this world of hate that is so not necessary. <laughs> no. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings is from Bob Marley uh, in his song, War. Mm -hmm. Until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes, there is a war. And um, right now, with everything going on as far as the media and what's happening with social media and everything, it almost seems like there's a war on our consciousness that what these bags did just a couple of years ago is now online at a full extent where uh, I just read an article today where 900, 900, um, 900, accounts 
consisting, there was 600 people, something, 70-something odd groups. There was 50-something uh, odd, 100-something odd pages that affected 55 million people with pro-hate rhetoric. 55 million people were being affected by these mm -hmm. digitally created AI accounts. Right, because they're all fake. Yeah. Right. But people don't, this is the, you know, everything's so new, so people don't mm -hmm. recognize what is real and what is not. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a bag can get thrown at your driveway, you know that's very real. Online, you can't tell. That's why. That's why I say it's a war on our consciousness because people, people don't yet have the training in this level of uh, information war to it, 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 to discern yeah. what is real and what is not. No, I agree, and it's a great topic. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on nothing but that. And we will, which leads <laughs> us into our next uh, next topic. We do. We love topics in this podcast. Uh, the next topic is our cocotazo of the week. And Tanya, what is a cocotazo? A cocotazo is a upside the head. <laughs> We're not promoting hate or violence, and we consider them love taps. <laughs> and who receives the cocotazo of the week? The cocotazo of the week goes to the KKK. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The KKK. I would like to knock the hate out the heads of the KKK. Without promoting violence. Without promoting violence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think there was a study done that if somebody hits their head, that they change their out view, their out, their viewpoint. No, that's what mothers tell their children. I'm going to knock it right out of you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> I had a very loving childhood, of course. We're Puerto Rican, and so those of you who know, no. <laughs> and who gets the the shout out of the shout week? out of the week? The shout out of the week goes to you, listeners. Thank you very much for all your support, wisdom, and everything that you bring to the group. Uh, everything is appreciated beyond belief, and if it weren't for you, it wouldn't be for us here today. So the shout-out of the week goes to you, the listeners, all the members in GDI, everybody that makes likes, comments, just watches, listens, and learns. And let us know if there are topics you'd like to hear discussed. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a definite plus. We will... Definitely discuss topics that you bring to us. And, um, yeah, so we were talking about the importance of giving back, right? We're talking about how do we 
support? How do we show up in the community? And one of the ways that people can give back is with their time, with their energy, uh, with their money, right? Their talent. With their talent. And so one of the things that we'll be featuring in this podcast is a new organization or charity every week for you to donate to. And this week, we've decided to choose the Southern Poverty Law Center, which does a lot of work uh, for our nation in America and uh, does the, the tough work of dismantling the systems of oppression in this country and have been doing it for a very long time. And they always need your help. So if you know somebody that's in law school, and you can send them over there to volunteer. Or if you have uh, urge to donate, we encourage you to please donate whatever you can to the Southern Poverty Law Center that's doing the good work and fighting the good fight in this country. Is there anything you had you like to add before we complete this podcast, Mom? Uh, just to say thank you for having me. I think these weekly podcasts are going to evolve over time. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll be able to delve deeper into some of these uh, areas. And hopefully there'll be some awareness coming from it and move Move it forward, you know. Absolutely. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for all the work that you do and continue to do to dismantle the system of, of oppression and bring awareness to white privilege and uplift BIPOC in this nation. And thank you for hosting this. It's important. GDI is doing good work. It's the next level. And I'm proud of you. Oh, Mom. Thank you for listening, and remember to check out our Facebook group, Global Decolonization Initiative. Our Instagram handle is Official Global Decolonization Initiative, and we're at GDI Rise Up on Twitter. Help us get the word out by sharing this podcast. And once again, thank you, listeners. See you next week.